Welcome to the Africana Magazine News Podcast. I'm your host, Eugene Brown. Gene, you're on there. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, Gene. Yeah, I'm sorry. You guys are talking. I thought you were still talking. No, no, no. No, no. Okay, so I wanted this uh, gerrymandering kind of chime in with the gerrymandering you mentioned initially, Mr. Pettit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the what was it the Monday before uh, the the uh, Speaker of the House was you know placed in in their position. I don't know what you call it. Confirmed as Adrian Jones. Mm-hmm. And, and you and remember you said you said well I'm gonna give you. On the Sunday show, you said you were going to give your conservative opinion. Mm-hmm. Am I quoting you wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Okay, so and my point is, is that did you foresee that uh, what Miss Maggie McIntosh was talking mm. about, as far as gerrymandering being the issue and possibly losing two six seats in the city, uh, was did you con- was that in part of your? Con- did you had you considered that at that time? Oh yes, I thought about it. Okay, and so so what, what I'm saying is that then because we didn't because we didn't get the 45 the total 45 votes uh, the, from the uh, Black Caucus, it put us in a position where we had to acquiesce to the uh, the Republicans to seat uh, right Miss um, uh, Miss Jones. But that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that's what ha- right. So no, that's what no, happened. no, no, no. You're incorrect. I would first like to start this podcast by congratulating uh, Miss Adrian Jones uh, for being elected number one and also to for being uh, the shining light for the black community because she is in fact the first African American to head the uh, position of uh, Speaker of the House uh, in the state of Maryland, and that is an accomplishment, and um, you know I'm very proud of her. Her election was controversial, to say the least, and uh, it was like a, a roller coaster. The weekend, beginning on Friday and ending on the following Wednesday. Uh, to place her in office was one of the most exciting uh, po- political events in my lifetime that I can remember, and uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was a little controversy in reference to whether or not the Republican Party had any influence in the outcome Uh, I have some clips that I'm going to start this out with and I think the clips will speak for themselves Uh, and um, again you know I'm I'm very proud of the fact that we have a uh, African American uh, an African American woman uh, as the uh, Speaker of the House in the state of Maryland Uh, I think that also that history I think I mentioned that history uh, has been made, and I hope that the uh, documentation that uh, I'm putting out in this podcast will be used as a reference uh, somewhere down the road um, in the years to come. So um, I hope you enjoy it because, again, I enjoyed um, all aspects of it, putting the podcast together and editing it. And uh, and it was it was good. Think of a few. As far as Republicans go, we would not have that black speaker of the House of Delegates had it not been for the forty-two votes of the Republican Party on the House floor, House of Delegates. I I completely agree. I mean, there there are. Definitely two winners in the whole thing. I mean, of course, Speaker Jones is a winner, so I'll say three. Right. But um, the the Black Caucus finally standing up and the majority of them sticking together. That was something they, they showed that they really have power 
if they want to. They've always had influence, but they never exercised their power. And in this case, they did. And I particularly want to point out Talmadge. Yes, what Talmadge Branch did, Delegate Branch. These are true. You know, he worked the whole time, um, you know, early on supporting uh, Derek. He worked the compromise to get Adrian to support Derek. Um, you know, and they fought against the the party. You know, the rest of the party, the, the status quo. The progressive wing. The progressive wing and their party chair. You know, Rockamore Cummings comes out kind of ham-handed, you know, trying to do this heavy-handed Washington type of politics and talking about punishing people. And I think that also tipped the scales. And then the other winners, of course, was the Republican caucus. Um, you're right. It would not have happened. Okay, we heard from Carlton Douglas. We heard from Larry Young. And we heard from the lieutenant governor. How do you feel? Do you feel that the Republicans have gained maybe an advantage that they wouldn't have had uh, prior to uh, the compromise that took place? Do you think that down the road uh, this will hinder the, the, Democrat, the Democratic Party and... Uh, the Black Caucus from having having the uh, having an influence uh, their influence compromised. I don't know. What do you think? A special session is scheduled for this week to select the new leader following the passing of longtime House Speaker Michael Michael E. Bush. My colleague, the Speaker Pro Tem, Adrian Jones, made a major sacrifice. She sacrificed her personal goals, ambitions, and desires to unify the community so that we can get on one accord and give ourselves the best possible chance at electing the first African-American presiding officer in the history of the state. I looked at the numbers, and I didn't want to split the numbers to uh, deter from um, Chairman Davis um, achieving the, the goal, and that's the bottom line is, as I stated in the press release, I put unity over politics. But it was, uh, if I can, Senator, sure. it, it, it was so much more than that. I don't want this to be viewed as, you know, a, a numbers game. Uh, Speaker Pro Tem was well regarded during uh, a very rough period for us as we were, you know, watching the Speaker slowly leave leave us. She stepped up, um, kept the body together, led us through a very difficult emotional time. And, and I mean, she's just been a wonderful leader for two decades. Um, we came in, we didn't come in the same year together, but we came in the same term. And, and she's been a true leader the entire time, and this was just an extension of that leadership. So I don't want uh, the family to in any way think that this was simply a numbers game. Um, she was doing the best she can to to keep us together. What exactly would you say the role of the speaker is? Uh, it's it's a varied role. It's it's a very big role. Um, the most immediate is organizing the house, naming the uh, the the committee chairman, the subcommittee chairman, the the entire leadership team, helping to guide the agenda, uh, moving forward with the community. It's it's a lot of different things. The appointments, uh, playing a leadership role with the appointments and. Again, the biggest thing is the, the policy, helping to shape the policy. I would say those as well, but the, the main thing, we want to make sure that the House is in one accord in terms of how we uh, direct that. We are, there also are um, several uh, outside um, leadership positions in, in the community that the, the Speaker appoints. And the the speaker the speaker um, does you know bill signing bill signing some ceremonial types of things, but he is the uh, head leader and as a majority Democratic Party um, in the House um, he and we do have Republican members as a minority, but as the speaker you had to preside over everyone 
Uh, but um, we want to make sure that everyone is um, successful, particularly our new new members coming in. We just started. I, I, I push back on the whole notion that there's a split in the party. That, that as you well know, uh, politics you know can be a rough sport at times. But it's important that we work together. When I say the party has to support us, when you look at what's gone on over the years, when I first came into the legislature in, in 1995, uh, there were four white men, uh, one white woman, one African-American male. During the course of my 25 years, I've seen other segments grow in leadership positions. We now have four women uh, uh, chairs. We have four members of the LGBTQ community who are all well-deserving. Don't get me uh, uh, three, excuse me. Um, don't get me wrong, they're all well-deserving. But when I look at our community, except for the one year where uh, the late Chairman Rawlings and I were chairman in 2003, the bulk of that time, the rest of that time, there's only been one African-American chairman. When you look at uh, the statewide positions, we have none. Uh, you know, you look at two of the probably the best politicians in the country that, that we've had in Kwasi and Fume and, and uh, Elijah Cummings. That they're national figures, but um, they weren't good enough to, to represent the state, state uh, statewide. So it, it's it's in time. It, I, I just felt it was time that you know the, the, all the love that our community gives the party that that love needs to be returned in the form of, of letting us represent our community, getting behind us, and and uh, we move forward. But that hasn't been the case. And, uh, a statement made of many times about the party has always wanted us and has counted on the minority vote quote unquote the black vote to be the most loyal constituency and uh, I'll tweet it as delegate I see here uh, unity must outweigh politics and pride you were saying a little bit of that earlier yes I I think that um, if I were to continue I think the focus needs to be as uh, Chairman Davis had said, uh, "We both are qualified." And you know, when you and you, although he said it's about the numbers, but in terms of winning the vote, I didn't see the path for you know in terms of of me, and I didn't want um, it just to go to the wayside. So I, that's why uh, it's important. It is historical. Um, this this time does not come around. Um, often, and to lose it would be most unfor unfortunate in terms of having representation. And our numbers have grown in the House. Um, as by numbers, you mean in terms of um, in well, African Americans in particular, but other minorities as well. So um, you know, we're we we are um, we have a total in the House of African Americans of uh, 23 African-American males, and if the newest delegate who took the uh, speaker's place is appointed in time, we'll have 23 African-American females, a total of 46. I don't know who's coming. Hmm? Yes. The speaker's... Wow. Yes. Okay. The speaker is African-American female. She's a current older woman. So... Yes, yes, yes. Um, caucuses and other subgroups, those are more recommendations... Um, from, from uh, like-minded folks or, or, or groups, if you will. The real vote is on the floor of the House of Delegates. The House rules, as it relates to the Speaker's position, it's, it's the House vote, like any other bill, if you will. Um, each, each and every member has a vote, and then we will have that vote. But the caucus is more um, a recommendation. The Democratic caucus, the Black caucus, Republican caucus, those are all recommendations. The Speaker, again, we have to remember what the Speaker is. It's the Speaker of the House of Delegates. It's not the Speaker of the Democratic Caucus. Uh, we have a gentleman, Chairman Lukey. That's his job um, to be, if you will, the Speaker of the Democratic Caucus. I'm also not running to be Speaker, as I say, of the Women's Caucus or, or any other subgroup. I want to be Speaker of the whole body. The way the process works, and, and I, didn't, um, I didn't write this process, is that um, everyone gets a vote, so yeah, I think it's incumbent upon me, if I'm running for speaker, to uh, solicit everyone's vote, to solicit everyone's support. 
So however that plays out, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But right now, I am focused on being the nominee from the from the Democratic caucus. Now, at one point, you even had the head of the Democratic Party saying, for all intents and purposes, it's unacceptable that uh, either one of you, if it was to be so that you could consider looking at the Republican vote, there would be some reaction to that. Well, for one thing, when once it goes to the floor, that's a simple majority, and all members of the Maryland House of Delegates will be on the floor and have an opportunity to vote. That is the Democratic members, and that is the Republican members. And so just just take it as we were voting on a bill, be the same thing. We don't say, okay, you can't vote on this bill because it was sponsored by a Democratic House member. No, as a, as a House of Delegates, everyone there has the right to vote. As far as the specific situation, though, there's a lot going on, and I get it. I certainly understand tensions are high. The stakes are high with this, and we have all sorts of special interest groups and outside groups trying to weigh in, and certainly we respect and value everyone's opinion. But ultimately, this is for the 140 members currently that are um, in the House of Delegates. It's, this is for us to make a decision about who our leader is going to be. And as such, it's our decision. But I, I get where everyone's coming from. I know I certainly didn't take it personally. Um, folks are just reacting at this point. Everyone, uh, again, they, they're vested in this as they should be. It's a critical position. And, and obviously, after being under uh, Mike Bush's leadership for 16 or actually 17 sessions, 16 years, um, there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, uh, just a lot of angst. So I think we're not always, everyone's not always thinking things through. Um, there's concern, uh, as you mentioned, oh, the Republicans are going to uh, elect, uh, um, play a role in this. Well, they do have a role to play, but ultimately, whether it's myself or Chairwoman McIntosh, a Democrat is going to be Speaker of the House. And I, don't, and I think we're losing sight of that. Um, no Republican is running. And there are only 42 of them, so they can't decide the election with just 42 votes. Um, ultimately, everyone has a vote, and we're going to end up with a Democratic uh, speaker. And I think, you know, for those who, who, who value, you know, the Democratic principles, you have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. Well, when you, when you speak about nothing to worry about, uh, there have been some discussions that uh, in a possible support from the Republicans, they're going to be extracting or will try to extract single-member districts and the potential loss of two state senators from Baltimore City. Huh. Considering the redistricting plan is what uh, I, I've heard this. Well, ultimately, the way that process works, there will be a redistricting committee set up that, you know, just like it's always been, the governor is going to submit a plan. Um, the General Assembly will have appointments, but then ultimately the General Assembly will vote on on a redistricting plan. Um, that's something that I'm going to be work. If I'm fortunate to have the position, I'm going to work with my Senate counterpart, the, the president of the Senate, as well as our body as its leader. And we're going to put forth the best plan that we believe is right for all Marylanders. And that's what the case is going to be. Obviously, the, the Republican Party, as the Democratic Party, we're going to, you know, there will be some uh, things in it that people will look to do what's best for the party. But that's not my that's not my goal my my direction we're going to do what's best for all marylanders i couldn't add any more to it okay. he said it all okay uh, this race at this time uh is about baltimore city uh and it's about uh, uh things coming up in this um this session this term that will greatly impact Baltimore City. Uh, and let me explain why I say it. Uh, whoever wins the Democratic nomination, whoever the Democratic caucus votes is the person they want to move forward uh, as their speaker, has always, always, always been the person who everybody in the caucus walks out and supports on the floor. Um, and I'm fine with that. If, if Mr. If uh, Chairman Davis wins in the caucus, I will support him on the floor. Uh, I would hope he would do the same thing with me. But here's what's happening. The 
there's a nuance here. It's a pretty big nuance. Uh, Chairman Davis and, and friends of his have realized that if they get 42 Republican votes to vote in a block with him, they only need 29 Democrats on the floor. For me to win on the floor without Republicans, I need 71. So, you know, I'm fighting every day to get to 71. I want you to know I'm close. I think it's going to be very hard for good Democrats, lifelong Democrats from some of these counties, to not support the Democratic nominee. But the one thing that they are saying that they want to see is a black chair, I mean a black a speaker, okay? And, of course, you know, others want to see me or a woman speaker, or they know either one will make history. But let's forget all that. Let's just push it out. Let's just focus on the real issue here. For the first time in history, I believe in Maryland, Republicans will be determining who the next speaker is. Republicans. We will turn over, I believe, our democratic values, our democratic agenda to Republicans. People say, no, 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 you know. Just have to give them little crumbs here and there. No. They're not going to be the ones to elect the next speaker in a block of 42 when you only got 29 Democrats and not want something. So here's what the something is. And I mean, this is me and Joan Carter Conway, who've been there a long time. We know what the something is. It's redistricting coming up. That's what the something is. There is no doubt that Prince George's and Montgomery, with the incredible explosion of population growth they've had, think they want they want another Senate district. They have 24 right now in in Montgomery County. There's uh, I can't remember if it's uh, this is in the House delegates, um, and they have I think Prince George's County uh, has uh, 21 or 18. They want more. Where will they come from? Baltimore City and Baltimore County. And so this is what it's about. It's about it's about things like that, Larry. It's not it's not just redistricting, but this is the Republicans that are gonna say and, and by the way, they're gonna hold him hostage every year if he does this and wins. Every year they say, We want our forty two votes, this is what we want this year. It's not just one year. Uh, so, I'm in this, and I'm staying in this, and I, uh, I do have, in the, in the uh, Democratic caucus, uh, I do have over 60 votes. There could be a possibility that I could walk out of there, you know, winning two to one. And then not in the Democratic caucus, and then at, through Republican intervention, not win the speakership. Uh, and that's going to be a problem for Baltimore. It's going to be a problem for people who share our values. Uh, it's going to be a problem for education, the Kerwin Commission. Republicans and the governor aren't too hot about the Kerwin Commission and education. It's going to be a problem for getting more money for our schools to do construction. I worked out a bill with six other county executives to get Baltimore City another $400 million. I don't see that bill coming forward again without, uh, you know, the, you know, energy that I put behind it. But I am, as you know, uh, go to Annapolis and, and Baltimore City, especially Baltimore City school kids, are first and foremost in my mind. And I will tell you, and I believe turning over uh, the House uh, to the Republicans in this way is very, very, very dangerous. As a matter of fact, on Red Maryland, you know, which is their blog, which is a very conservative blog, uh, people were circulating yesterday um, a, uh, a post that they had on Red Maryland that said, 
let's make a deal for the next Speaker of the House. Let's, let's um, you know, uh, help get, uh, promote our conservative values. Let's promote what is best for, for us. Well, you know, we want to elect a Speaker of the House because they're best for democratic values. Uh, and so that's why, you know, I got in it. I'm staying in it. Um, you know, you know me. I was in it uh, for one Baltimore, two Baltimore City kids, and three advancing the kind of values that I have always worked on, uh, which are very progressive. They are. Uh, but the Republicans are scared to death, um, probably, of me uh, because... They know that I will be working so hard for Baltimore City kids. Now, saying that, if you look at the two committees I've run over the years, Environmental Matters and, um, you know, um, Appropriations, you know, this isn't about bipartisanship, Larry. It's not. It's about getting control of the very things that will impact Baltimore the most over the next three years. And if redistricting wasn't in the mix, I wouldn't be as concerned about what's going on. Correct me if I'm wrong, Madam Chairman, but my understanding is, which I've heard, not from you, but what I've heard, yeah. is that the redistricting situation will mean that the Republicans want to have single-member districts and they're looking at taking two Senate seats from Baltimore City. That's absolutely correct. And by the way, uh, they have tried for years, you know, to get that bill uh, through, and uh, Senator Joan Carter Conway uh, blocked it. I have to admit that I was quite surprised to even see that uh, that Delegate uh, Adrian Jones was going to step down. I didn't think that would have occurred, but it did. And so apparently... Uh, there's been a circling of the wagons of some sort, and people are starting to wise up and say, look, it's it's one of you could possibly make it. The other, you know, may not be able to. But two of you running uh, opens up the door for what we've seen many, many times before, and that's uh, for a person other than us to come up the middle. Damn, I didn't know there were other people doing it. Do you remember when Barack Obama was running and how excited you were about the enthusiasm you shared when he was running office. I do remember that. And you talked about it being a first for us. Why would you risk missing an opportunity for a state that has shown its disregard for the advancement of people of color not see that this is a marvelous opportunity for us to have broad view advancement? for African-Americans, as opposed to a woman, as you said. Oh, I'm sorry. But what, oh, I think what, he's talking about the speaker. What question are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think. I the, speaker. Oh, the speaker. Oh, we transitioned to the speaker. I, I, get, <laughs> I, I don't think that I said that. I mean, I don't think I disagreed. I said that those, I, was, I don't well, have a vote in that, and be, I believe, be and my intention was to display that these are these are both these are the competing um, discussions about what's going on and that's that's what I was just making that observation no I led into it because you said a woman but if you will recall Barack Obama ran against a woman and I just think last uh, week on the show we called for all black caucus members to hear the cries and the opportunity of us gaining a chance to lead a state that we have not been able to receive the full benefit as a large stakeholder and right. a large minority group. Right. Um, I, I, I believe I also talked about De Delegate Davis and the historic nature of his election as well as being the first African-American, and I believe I said also that there is a historic nature of electing um, um, a woman. Um, and I believe I also said that I believe that both candidates are qualified and good people and uh, know that that's a very difficult decision that our members of the House of Delegates uh, will be making 
um, particularly the members that from are from Baltimore City, looking at the needs of Baltimore City. Uh, I believe there's tension. There's there's a challenge there as well to see what would be in the interest of of our city. So these are these are all very important uh, issues and things to think about. And um, you know, I I believe it's it's, it's probably going to be a difficult decision for for a number of people. And I know they're not going to take it lightly. Senator, I don't think an African American leader would care the most about the largest city with the largest population. Senator, I, I, I w- would like for you to come back and talk with us, okay? Uh, and, and come back in and see us when you have an opportunity. And, um, we, you, you know, this show is always open to you, and we are looking for you to do a great job in Annapolis, and, and we'll, uh, we'll get behind your efforts. And so we'll wait. We are in a wait-and-see posture right now. But, again, Absolutely. thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Yeah, and, Senator, congratulations Absolutely. to you and Delegate Mosby again. On thank the water you bill. so much. Yes, thank okay. you. That's State Senator uh, Mary Washington, uh, or as uh, Dr. Yuri called her, Dr. Mary Washington. Uh, and, of course, uh, yeah, she is a Ph.D., and she teaches over at, uh, I think, UB and Micah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah she's I a, used she... to call her Dr. Delegate, and now that she's moved to the Senate side, I call her Dr. Senator. Yes, definitely. Well, gentlemen, I mean, you, you've heard what she had to say, and, Ron, I'm sure you got a lot. Uh, to come with, let me at least say, folks, that the tele. When we have a chance to hold people to the fire, we just had a chance. I think it's inexcusable for members of the caucus to not reach for the golden opportunity to deliver parity, fairness, and as you all have always argued with me about Barack Obama, it is the symbolism of a people's progress moving forward. And to not make a commitment, I think. Adrian Jones, he embodied the spirit of making a change and a, dif- a difference in this state and not those petty excuses that are political smokescreens. Certainly my colleague in my district, that's foolishness. That's afraid to cast a vote in the betterment of a group of people. She can influence the members of her delegation. The senator leaves their three delegates into the House. She can influence and encourage them, like all of us know. By and large, the senator and the delegates on most issues walk lock and step. And an issue as important as who leaves the House will be influenced by the senator in some way, shape, or form. Separate chambers that absolutely to be influenced. Dr. Yeri? Here is the question. Resolution, uh, which of the two African-American candidates would go forward? Very often we find that this is the scenario. We have qualified black candidates who all want to offer the best that they have, but what it does is it puts us at a disadvantage when we're leveraging influence in votes. And so very often we'll see this coming up in the next mayoral race. We're going to have to talk about it. When you are splitting then the votes amongst an interest that is already at a significant political disadvantage, how do you put yourself in the best posture to claim it's not it's not so much having an opportunity. There's evidence, there's a claim to be able to be based on a track record of leadership uh, from the Black Caucus. I know we often give them a lot of criticism, but when you think about uh, Chairman Davis and how he has led uh, his uh, committee, if you talk to folks, there's a great deal of respect for uh, his temperance, for his fairness, for his moderation. I think that's something that ought to be applauded, and it ought to be considered. What the vote ends up being in the end is a matter for the members of the chamber, but we should never have to apologize for putting forth a qualified, competent black leader uh, who not only represents our interests. The truth of the matter is there's never been an interest that's been good for black folk that didn't benefit white folk. No one can ever point that to me. And so when we're talking about the sense of fairness and equity, let's have a fair conversation because the black vote as a block to the Democratic Party statewide has been a critical vote not only in Maryland but across the country. And there should be a fair consideration and not some uh, try to preset or prejudge how we're going to negotiate a way out of this. Have a fair consideration from uh, the members of the House 
uh, this notion that somehow or other the Speaker of the House of Delegates should only be elected by one side or other. I don't necessarily buy into that. But I do believe that in this conversation and what will come up Wednesday when the caucuses begin to meet and talk about this process, is we should never have to apologize for putting excellent leadership on the table to be duly considered uh, to lead the chamber because they're qualified. And if we look at history and the loyalty of black blocks of votes to the Democratic Party, it's past time. So let's not, let's not back down from that, whatever the process might, might be. We're not going to change our mind to think that somehow other you to consider high-quality, competent leadership coming from the Black Caucus. But here's what I would say. When we start using terms conservative, progressive, the substance is borne out in the policy. And I hear we often use labels. But here's what we know. Well, that's what I mean when I say I'm yeah. talking about policy. No no, 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 I hear you there. But, but here's what we know in terms of the numbers within the Democratic caucus. Neither of the two, as I understand it at this moment, have the requisite 71 votes they need to win, even from within the caucus. So even if things don't change, if no one decides to relent and say, let's say that there's, you know, the number of votes that are supporting within the Democratic caucus for uh, Chairman Davis uh, stay where they are, and the numbers that support Chair. Chairwoman McIntyre stay where they are. That's not 71. The only other place you can get other votes from are, are going to be from the Republican caucus. caucus. Well, I'm going to sort of take the conservative position, I guess, and that is because, well, number one, let me clarify and say I don't really know uh, the voting record of Judge, uh, I mean, not Judge, but uh, Chairman uh, Davis. I do know that uh, McIntosh uh, is considered to have been very, very powerful in delivering to Baltimore City. And I do know that Jones is very much, I was very surprised, as David said, for her to step down. I really thought that we got the best of both worlds. If Jones became Speaker and McIntosh continued to head the financial apparatus that making, was making deliveries uh, in terms of financial support to Baltimore City. Have, I've heard that uh, Davis although an African-American male is somewhat conservative and not as progressive as the other two. And if, in fact, he is going to align uh, with certain Republicans uh, to, in fact, get the votes necessary to become Speaker, then we have to be very careful not to, to cut off our nose despite our face uh, faces. We have to be very careful that we might... You know, I've, I've gotten very skeptical just going black because a person's skin is black uh, and their records may not uh, support uh, what is needed in the black community. So I've, I've become a skeptic based on uh, what's happened in the black political circle. So I'm saying that to say we just have to be very careful. But, but should we not have leadership that crosses, uh, you know, partisan lines? I mean, I mean, really, I mean, the Speaker of the House is supposed to be Speaker of the House for, for everyone. Oh, it might cross partisan lines, but I'm just saying, David, look, we don't know what he might have to concede or give up in that type of negotiation that may not be in the interest in of the interest. black community. And if but you accept what? the... Let me finish, please. If you accept the premises that he... some And I don't know this, so I'm saying I qualified myself, I don't know, that he has been somewhat conservative and less progressive than both McIntosh and Jones, uh, we might be putting in... And I know the deal has already been cut and we're waiting for the votes on Tuesday, whatever that is, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we might be... Uh, to get a black male, put somebody in that may not be as progressive in terms of the goals of the black community. That's there are now only two people racing to become the next speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates. Delegate Adrian Jones, who we just heard, withdrew her candidacy and is now throwing her support behind. But we also just heard on Larry Young Morning Show, Delegate Derek Davis. Davis is going up against Delegate Maggie McIntosh of Baltimore for the speakership. This special session is expected to be held on Wednesday. Gene, you're on air. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, Gene. Yeah, I'm sorry. You guys are talking. I thought you were still talking. No, 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 no. Okay, so I wanted this uh, gerrymandering, kind of chime in with the gerrymandering. You mentioned uh, initially Mr. Pettit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the, what was it, the Monday before uh, the, the uh, Speaker of the House was, you know, placed in, in their position, I don't know what you call it, confirmed, as Adrian Jones. Mm -hmm. it, it, and, you, and remember you said, you said, well, I'm going to give, you, on the Sunday show, you said you were going to give you a conservative opinion. Mm -hmm. Am I quoting you wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Okay, so, and my point is, is that did you foresee 
that uh, what Miss Maggie McIntosh was talking mm. about as far as gerrymandering being the issue and possibly losing two six seats in the city uh, was did you con was that in part of your con did you had you considered that at that time? Oh yes, I thought about it. Okay, and so so what, what I'm saying is that then because we didn't because we didn't get the 45 the total 45 votes uh, the, from the uh, Black Caucus. It put us in a position where we had to acquiesce to the uh, the Republicans to seat, uh, right, Miss um, uh, Miss Jones. But that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that's what happened, right? So no, what no, happened. no, no, no. You're incorrect. That's what okay. that was. What was going to happen, but it didn't have to come to that. No, well, it, well, it did because they, she couldn't be seated without the Republicans. Yeah, but that's not what happened when when they couldn't get the votes for Maggie or the guy. Then uh -huh. everybody said, "Let's put Adrian in." Yeah, Adrian, right, right. So that's how Miss Mimi and Miss Adrian got put in. No, her own caucus put her in. <laughs> didn't have to. Didn't yeah, have to. So, didn't have so to rely on the case. So what? What role did the Republicans play, and why did the Lieutenant Governor come on Larry's show, and they were uh, commending each other? In reference to they could this couldn't have happened if the Republicans didn't do what they did because the Republicans were going to go with the gentleman from PG County in the yeah, beginning, correct. which and meant that we were going to have no, a black. No, 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 no. I get all of that, but I'm saying let's just go right to Monday when Miss Jones became the person who was who who got the seat. Miss Jones got the seat because the caucus, after finding out that the other two persons did not could not garner the vote. With with Adrian, yes. Okay, so that got oh, uh, no, then I'm wrong. So so let's just back up before be before now it's Adrian against Miss um, um, what uh, Mac Miss McIntosh. No, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Cole. No, no, it was no, it was a three way split. Yeah, it wasn't well, just Adrian was. against McIntosh. She was going against the guy that was from out of PG County. But yeah, then Adrian okay, stepped so out that, of that the whole. Wait, that was listen, listen, listen. Now on Monday, wait, yeah. Jane, hold it, Jane. Okay. Adrian stepped out of it, period. And it was just down to McIntosh and the guy out of PG County. But neither one of them could garner all the votes, even with the Republicans saying right. they were going to go with the guy. That's when the Democratic caucus said, well, we're going with Adrian. Right. And that's how she got it. Okay, okay. But uh, my question to you is, what role did the Republicans play in this? Eventually, none. That's what I'm. That's what I told him. Okay, she, they did. Okay, but but they did. They okay. So it, why was the lieutenant governor and Larry patting each other on the back and and congratulating? Larry was congratulating the uh, the lieutenant governor on the role that the Republicans played in this. Because the Republicans were going to guarantee that they have a black in that seat one way or the other because they were going with the guy from PG County. Okay, so cool. So right now, we don't owe the Republicans anything, right? You're right. So we, we, we can move forward. And so when it comes to gerrymanding, we're not, we, we're not going to need their help. We're not, we're not going to uh, concede anything to them when it, when it comes to this issue of gerrymanding, correct? You're right, but remember one thing. The governor is the one that does the redistricting, and guess what he is? Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's going to have the final face. But I think all of it is still before the courts. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah because uh, <laughs> they got a suit against Ronald for gerrymandering. Yes, they do. And, uh, and it ain't against the Republicans. Right. It's against okay, the Democrats. But I'm saying, but, but, they, but it went, went, okay, so as it goes through, and I don't know this, I'm asking you the question, and also I'm recording this because it needs to be understood. So that's why I'm being, you know, picky about what I'm saying, and, that, and I want you to be specific because we, I always tell you guys this, we as uh, the little teeny tiny citizens, we don't, un we don't know this stuff, and it's very important, in my opinion, that you guys are the, our, you know, okay, so you are our leaders. And you need to make us uh, help Gene, us. Gene, you know it very it. well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's the point. I don't know so why you, you, you and your recording. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Come on, Gene. You, you, you come back with statements that I, just, that I just, made two months ago. Let's be straight up. Huh? Yeah. Straight up. Listen, Gene, I got to go on, but let me just say this to end the thing. There's a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, which is being worked out right now, 
against Maryland and some other states. Now, yes. the other state is against the Republicans. But this state is because of what the Democrats did. And I think it's before the Supreme okay, Court. Yes, it, 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 it is before. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, that, I hope that has answered most of your Yeah, but the bottom, but the bottom line is... Postpone your classes till we okay, get the, the answer. The, the bottom line is, is that we, we have two um, delegates from the state, I'm, I'm sorry, from Baltimore City that we could possibly lose. That's a possibility, but we don't know that yet until this lawsuit is conclusive, and then the redistricting after this lawsuit is conclusive begins. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Let's go to... But uh, the walls of the State House will never be the same. You got that right. <laughs> and uh, Delegate Adrian Jones, who the Radio One stations, this is her legislative district. Uh, she came by her first uh, uh, response to come out since she was speaker was to come by here yesterday morning. She did. Uh, but uh, she said uh, when they asked her, what did you think? She said, I left my house uh, believing that I was hopefully going to be perhaps chairman of the Appropriations Committee. Uh, I knew that I was there to support Derek Davis. And she said that's where she left her house thinking. She did not know that she was going to come back <laughs> to her home that night as the speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates. To get to that position, when we left here that Friday, regretfully, Derek said to us off air, he said, I knew I was going to have a problem dealing with getting the white vote. I didn't expect to have a problem with the Black Caucus 45 votes, mm -hmm. but he did. And so did Adrian. They could not, all 45 of them, stay together to support either Derek or Adrian. And so he went into a discussion with about 30 to 35 votes. Hmm. The opposition, by the way, Maggie McIntosh, exceptional delegate, did a lot for the city, mm -hmm. doing a lot for the city, means well. The clock was for us, though, to tick a black. And uh, she was able to talk to her colleagues around the state, and she was able to get 58 votes. But you need 71. They were there for six and a half hours. Mm. During that discussion, of course, Derek went in with Adrian's support, so her people came over to him. He went up to 40. Delegate Maggie McIntosh had 58. They could not work out 71, but at the point, and I was there, was the first one in the chamber sitting there in the, in the press section, and I said, well, wait a minute now. If he's got 40, the Republicans came in, all 42 of them. They voted to reaffirm their vote of the night before. We will give our 42 votes to Derek. That would have given him 82. Right. Which is more than the 71 he needed. Right. Because you and I talked about it last Friday. Exactly. Right. At that point, the, the McIntosh team knew that. And they were arguing, please don't put the Republicans in that position that they'll make the next speaker. And they tussled and tussled and tussled. To me, the Black Caucus at that point, all of the rest who were not with Derek should have said, wait a minute, this is the time to strike. The Republicans said they're going to give it to Derek. If 45 of the, all 45 blacks had voted to support Derek or Agent, in this case it was Derek, and pick up, what, uh, 10, 21 whites, he would not have had to even think of asking the Republicans for anything. Mm. They knew that. Maggie could not move above her 58. He wasn't going to move above his 40. But if the blacks had come in with the whites that he had, we would have had a black speaker maybe by 2 o'clock that afternoon. Didn't happen. So they had to work out a compromise. First, it went after the lady who's the um, vice chair of the Judiciary Committee from Howard County. She turned him down. Next, the was, I, she, was she black or white? I think she's black. Okay. The next situation came up. What about Adrian? Mm. 
And as Derek said, when I needed Adrian to support me, now is my chance to support her. Mm. He did. Maggie took it to say she would do it. And that way they all voted to put all 98, 99 of them in a united vote, came over to the chamber, and proceeded to uh, vote her in mm. those two nominees nations being made. It was interesting, though, that yesterday afternoon, we got, I'll, I'll, for purposes of just making sure, so I didn't see the person, but I was told who it was, but I didn't see them. But one of the delegates who black came over and wanted a copy of our show because there were, in the Baltimore City, there was only four people black who stood with Adrian and Derek. And that was uh, Kurt Anderson, Nick Mosby, Cheryl Glenn, and Talmadge Branch. Now, I'm going to pick up Talmadge and Cheryl Glenn. If we have anybody in that caucus who understand the black agenda without question, those are your two. Yes. I'll put that there. Now, I'm not saying that I don't want to dismiss in any way Kurt or Nick for standing when it, and, and they were threatened. Mm. I mean, literally. Yeah, I want to get to that. Literally, yeah, there yeah. were some threats made. Yep. Uh, one is thinking about running for mayor. Don't you even think about running for mayor if you can't see your way clear to look at our progressive ticket over here, as they called it. Mm. Uh, others were saying, well, uh, you know, you had some problems last session. You might really have some problems. I mean, I mean it was like, when the heck did they think they were? But they were putting pressure on these four. And, of course, Thomas dismissed it, and Cheryl Glenn dismissed it, and two for two holes, both Kurt and, and Nick dismissed it as well. So what you have is uh, a young lady who is, uh, she's going to do well. She's going to do well. We talked yesterday on air and off air, and uh, she is ready to be the speaker. Mm. Adrian Jones, family, keep the name. She's going to make us proud. Well, Governor, let's see. Uh, we um, have a uh, new speaker yeah. of the House of Delegates. 439 years. The walls of the State House in that chamber will never be the same never again. Never be the same. Former slave state. There you go. Now, let me also say, and I'm going to be straight up with you, sir. I was there that morning. I was there with the understanding that it was going to be a tight race, but I was thinking that it was going to be a colleague, well, not a colleague, but yeah, from Prince George's County, uh, the Chairman of Economic Matters Committee. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, was given a lot of information. But I got to tell you, sir, if I never say a good thing, which I will say in particular with you, as far as Republicans go, we would not have that black Speaker of the House of Delegates had it not been for the 42 votes of the Republican Party on the House floor, House of Delegates, because of what your decision, their decision was, that forced the opposition to Derek Davis to figure out what we're going to do to leave out of here with a united front. Right. And it would never have happened so without the support of the Republican caucus voting to support Derek Davis. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, there there are... Definitely two winners in the whole thing. I mean, of course, Speaker Jones is a winner, so I'll say three. Right. But um, the the Black Caucus finally standing up and the majority of them sticking together. That was something they, they showed that they really have power if they want to. They've always had influence, but they never exercised their power. And in this case, they did. And I particularly want to point out Talmadge. With yes, Talmadge sir. Branch, their delegate branch. These are true. You know, he worked the whole time, um, you know, early on supporting uh, Derek. He worked the compromise to get Adrian to support Derek. Um, you know, and they fought against the the party, you know, the rest of the party, the, the status quo. The progressive wing. The progressive wing and their party chair. You know, Rockamore Cummings comes out kind of ham-handed, you know, trying to do this heavy-handed Washington type of politics and talking about punishing people. And I think that also tipped the scales. And then the other winners, of course, was the Republican caucus. Um, you're right. It would not have happened. And they knew early on, and that's why Rockmore Cummings came out with her crazy letter, 
you know, because they knew that Derek had enough votes in the Democratic caucus, and then combined with the Republicans, he would be Speaker. No question about it. And so when they then came out on, on what was that, Wednesday, and said, we're voting 42 votes for Derek Davis, and we're going over to the House right now waiting to vote. And I that, sat there with them that waiting for them to come out of that six-hour dilemma. And, uh, and that, that forced it. So, you know, you've had the Republican Party in this state, you know, provide the first statewide elected officer, that being Michael Steele. Right. And then the Republican Party instrumental in getting the first African-American female Speaker of the House. Not to mention, came back behind Mike Steele a few. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, uh, the, I, I told somebody that mo that morning, if that caucus came up empty, uh, I think there'd be a lot of people thinking like Frank Conway was thinking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it would have been there would have been a lot of challenges. I think. I mean, they're talking about they're going to have to bring back the caucus, the Democratic caucus, and you know, unruffle some feathers. But it would have been far worse if if they had put in Maggie and basically told the black folks to you know sit down. Now, which I heard there was some you know some back and forth inside that room that I think some folks are never going to forget. Despite, one despite the 138 vote that came across the board, right. uh, we I, we had a show yesterday, Governor, where we talked about it, and then Coach and others were having the discussion. And at, at the end of the day, one of the delegates, I'll keep him nameless, had the audacity to come up here wanting to get a copy of what was said about the uh, vote that happened, because he said they were misrepresented, and I said, "What?" Well, I said to the "Give me misrepresent." I voted with the 138. I said, "Oh, that's fine, yeah. except for the fact, what did you do in the caucus?" Right. And that we found out was something different than what you said. But he wanted the public to hear. Oh yeah. With the 138. Yeah. Oh no, there were some folks who were not with. You know, with the rest of the caucus, Thank the you. black caucus, there right. are some folks, and and uh, I think people it. know. Yeah, uh, if they don't know, know, they're going to know, they, and they should know. <laughs> they should know. They, it's they like, should well, know. what was your decision making? And I want to point out, just sure. uh, since I mentioned, and I'm sure. just last thing I'm going to say about the Republican Party. Um, you know, also the the first uh, African American uh, judge on the Court of Appeals, Harry Cole was a Republican as well. So I just want to throw that in. It doesn't hurt. No more. No more Today it doesn't hurt. Today Today's okay. <laughs> Today's okay. Now, the Speaker of the Maryland House of Delegates, the fantastic delegate, we call our home-based delegate, but she's now Speaker, the one and only delegate speaker, Adrian Jones. Madam Speaker, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. As I said, I'm so sorry I couldn't get down uh, in Greenbelt when you spoke uh, this Saturday to the Black Caucus. But uh, when I saw the story in the paper on Sunday, I said, let me reach out to you and thank you for trying to finding the time to come on and sure. talk to us. What, what uh, made you decide that this was going to be the issue that you wanted to make the first bill of the 2020 session? Because it's a very important issue that affects all students in the state of Maryland, particularly those who are not fortunate to have the uh, types of schools that they desire in, in, a, in a learning environment that they can be successful. And we can't wait. You know, as I, I served on the Kerwin Commission, and we had uh, put forth some, uh, uh, some suggestions and implementations, and we had a bill that uh, would put forth funding, but it passed in the House, but it went nowhere in the Senate. And and my comments in my message to the caucus that had the Legislative Black Caucus, in which I am a member, um, that this funding will be the House Bill number one, and uh, and the number one priority for all the priorities that the Legislative Black Caucus has. Number one priority. Yes. And Bill number one. Mm -hmm. So now this this begins the the the, the Adrian Jones's uh, emphasis, and 
I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you might even be able to get the Senate to be more cooperative this time. I think so. I had um, the Senate president, Mike Miller, and I met uh, several weeks ago, and he had uh, agreed that the House Bill 1 and Senate Bill 1 would be the number one bill that we take up in the 2020 session. Whoa. Okay. Well, <laughs> that says a whole lot right there, indeed. It says a whole lot. This podcast was created by Cousins. At Cousins, you create your own brand, self. It was recorded in the Elizabeth Brown Studios in Baltimore, Maryland, for Africana Magazine and Africana magazine news this is a africana magazine podcast africana magazine at gmail.com is my email address my podcast is now available on anchor fm google podcast and spotify it is also available on breaker and Radio Public.